turn back. We've come too far, amen, to, uh, to stop and change directions. Hallelujah. We're too close to the uh, finish line. Amen. And uh, uh, I, I want to I make it all the way. Um, and um, I was thinking how that the church lost a, a great um, leader of the faith, um, Brother uh, Tinney, and his life, and uh, what he accomplished in the kingdom of God. And um, I, I hope and pray that I can finish my course and my race as strong as what he did. Hallelujah. Amen. Because we didn't start this thing to stop. Amen. We didn't start it to stop. We've got to keep going. Praise the Lord. Amen. Because um, it's not going to be very much longer. Jesus is soon to come. Hallelujah. We're glad to see everybody that's come out again. I'll tell you one more time tonight. Uh, to uh, the house of God for a midweek service. We thank you for being here. Uh, we welcome those that uh, uh, are watching by means of um, uh, the webcast, um, live stream. And um, we are, and we have been studying in the book of James for uh, some time now. And um, we're going to finally move into the second chapter um, and we're going to do some study that tonight and next week and um, in the second chapter of James. The book of James, as I've already told you, is a great book on practical Christianity. Um, if you want to forget the hoopla and all that other stuff and all the, the fluff, and you want to know what living for God is all about, you need to study the book of James. Um, it's, not a, it's not a big book. It's not a long book. It's just a few chapters. The book of James was the first book that I ever read all the way through back when I first started um, studying as a very young man. I remember uh, myself and a friend of mine who was also young in the ministry, um, we worked together. We I got a in the frame in in my office in in the frame there. Um, I have um, an old handbill of the first um, uh, youth revival that uh, we held together. Um, I was fourteen. He was sixteen. I remember we took a trip. Uh, his parents and. Um, my parents, we went up and spent the weekend uh, in Gatlinburg. And while there one night, um, he and I um, sat up most of the night reading the Word of God. And I felt myself, and um, I, li I took most of the Bible literally back in those days. Well, the Bible says, um, you know, get yourself a closet. Well, now, you know, back then I took it. I took it literally, and um, I uh, 
I got I got in the closet and uh, in, in that cabin we was at, closed the door and I sat there and read the Word of God most of the night. And James was the first book that I um, went through. That's that's been a lot of water under the bridge since that day. And um, so James is a powerful book, and I haven't talked from it probably in at least 20 years. It's been a long time, and I didn't realize I had forgotten how many nuggets are there that help us uh, live in just uh, the principles of practical Christianity. Um, And uh, tonight we're going to uh, the second chapter, and we're going to read the first nine verses of the second chapter. Praise the Lord. James chapter 2, verse 1. I I got I will be reading from the New King James is what I mostly read from. But this is what it says. My brethren, um, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna be asking a few questions tonight as I go along. I'm not trying to trick nobody or whatever in there, but um, I want to make sure that you pick up on some things. When he said my brethren. That should let you know the group of people that he's he's writing to. So when you said, my brother, who's he writing to? To the church. Amen. Exactly right. My brother, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with with partiality. The... um, the rendering of the old King James says with respect to persons, which means partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and in fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, Sit over here in this good place. Say to the poor man, you stand over here or or sit there under my footstool. Have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Come on now. We're talking about practical Christianity. Listen, my beloved brethren, He uses that term again, brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. Hallelujah. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Amen. What I want to talk tonight about 
and I've titled our lesson, Motivated by Love. Motivated by Love. Um, I'm going to read the two verses of our scripture. I'm going to go back uh, to, um, to verse 3 and 4. Notice how this says it. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, you sit here in a good place and say to the poor man, you stand there or sit here at my footstool. Verse 4, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? I'm going to read those two verses again, verses 3 and 4 in the Amplified um, Version. And I've got one up on Sister Darlene. I have got it here. This is what the, how the Amplified Version translates verse number 3. And you pay special attention to the one who wears... Um, fine clothes and say to him you sit here in this good seat and you tell the poor man you stand over there or sit down on the floor by my footstool see for for to put him by a footstool he's gonna have to get on the floor hallelujah all right and then verse four have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with wrong motives. Amen. That is what he is talking about. Your motives are wrong. Everything we do as the body of Christ should be motivated by the love of Christ. Hallelujah. And if you have the love of Christ, you're going to treat everybody equally. Hallelujah. Now tonight in our lesson... We move on as we consider practical Christianity to what motivates us in our actions and decisions in dealing with people who visit our congregation. Because that's what James was talking about. Amen. How, what kind of decisions do you make? What kind of actions um, when um, you've got visitors that come into your congregation? First off, the first thing, we need to review the main reason. In order to answer the question, what, our, what motivates us, we all need to consider, and I believe every church needs to do this every so often, we need to review the main reason we have a local church set up and organized in this location. What is our purpose? What is the purpose of the church being here? Save souls. Anybody got ask some? Anybody else want to add something? Serve the community. All right, that's good. Those things, those things are good. Uh, we need to always remember what the purpose is. The purpose of the church is not just for fellowship. I can go to your house 
or you can come to my house, or I can give you a call and say, hey, how about meeting at such and such time at a restaurant down here? We're good together and go out to eat. There's a lot of ways we can fellowship without coming to the house of God. Amen. But sadly enough, a lot of people only look to fellowship as a reason we come together. But the reason that we got a church set up right here and the church is organized right here is the evangelization of the whole world that's the reason why Jesus organized the church. That's why he built it. Not because we could have homecomings once a year. Not because we can have this kind of activity or that kind of activity. Um, I'm sorry, but a lot of people today are just eat up with programs. I, there's no way that I could tell you down through the years how many people's come to me and said, Brother Pruitt, we love you, love your preaching, love your teaching, but we're going we're gonna to move on to another church because uh, they, they got better programs, better activities. Amen. Programs and activities are good, but I'm going to tell you something. The first thing that you ought to consider, number one, for yourself personally, is whether or not you're being fed. Now, I'll tell anybody, anybody here, anybody watching, if you're not being fed spiritually, you need to find somewhere else to go. Because nothing is as important as your soul. Hallelujah. You need to be fed. We all need to be fed. And then as we are, if we are getting fed, then we should come together, amen, to try to reach everybody that we can reach, amen, because that's the purpose, to save souls. The church should be a hospital, amen. And um, now we, we, we're, because of the lack of, participation and uh, or whatever and, and growth. There's a lot of programs that we can't offer at, at the time, but um, I'm glad to know that we have always had this place as a spiritual hospital. Amen. And we've been able to reach out to people. Uh, so that is the, the, the purpose. That is the... Um, the reason uh, that Jesus ordained the church. Look here in Mark. And he said unto them, Go ye unto all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, now we talk about different kinds of people coming into the church. And do we think that there's a certain class of people we should reach out to and a certain class of people we should not. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Then what did he say after that? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. 
My, my, my. That is our purpose, church. That's the reason that we are here. So James is writing the house of God and the people of God, and he's talking about, he's given a scenario of a rich man and a poor man coming into your assembly. What are you motivated by? Uh, I know I know some pastors and some churches today that they want to get the higher echelons, you know. Oh, man, you know, if, um, if we got a, a state senator or representative or a mayor come in, I mean, we, we, we'll, we'll roll out the red carpet and we're going to give them the best seat in the house. And then somebody comes, comes in off the street, you know, we treat them differently. Uh, see, the problem is, is that um, what I call the good old boy scenario. You know, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Um, I can see there's some kind of way you can benefit me. And if I see so there's some kind of way you can benefit me, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little extra good treatment here. But is that the way that God expects us to do? Are we being right when we do that? Let me ask you another question. Do we have a right to treat people different because of their race? What about their nationality? Now, there's a lot of things going on right now in our nation about um, um, illegal aliens coming in and all, and all, and all of that. And I do believe... I do believe that anybody that wants to come to this country, they should go the proper way. Amen. They should go through the proper um, and, and obey the laws as they do it. Amen. But just because somebody is a different country, a different nationality, we shouldn't treat them no different than anybody else. We don't have a right to treat people different because of their race or nationality or their social status. If we do, what does that say about our love being genuine? The love, the love we claim we got is not very genuine if we do that. And I know I'm, I have been in churches. Now, I'm talking about been a part of it, been a part of that church, but I have visited churches, and I've seen some of this stuff happening. You know, that if somebody comes in and they look like, hey, you know, you live on the better part of town, looks like you come, you come out of there, the Bell Mead area out there, and then, you know, so man, boy, wonder, wonder, wonder how much money that, man, think about that, them ties. We should never think about how much or how little somebody can put in the offering to be a measure on how much we're going to reach out to them and love them. Hallelujah. I, I made a statement a few months ago, and I still say it. Um, and uh, we're just talking about our church. Of 70 years, there's one thing I ain't never done and one thing I never will done. I don't, I don't never go uh, and try to look to see who gives what 
uh, in the church. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want to be a part of it. What you give is between you and God. Now, you'll be surprised how many pastors don't follow that rule. And I'm, I, you know, I mean, I hate, you know, I'd say, I mean, but even, even Brother Hale, he'd, he'd get down in there every now and then. He'd, he'd, um, and matter of fact, when he, if he started preaching on the tithe, then you could figure out, well, Brother Hale's then got the books from Sister Daisy. <laughs> he'd unseen there a couple Sundays in a row, Brother Paul didn't put nothing in but a $5 bill, and then a Sunday I didn't put nothing in, so he's going to preach on tithes. Um, but um, that shouldn't be our motivation. That shouldn't be our motivation. We should be just concerned, and I'm so thankful of, um, of uh, Brother Douglas and Cecilia and how they have been faithful to the bridge ministry, uh, serving those who live on the street. Those who don't have a roof over their head. Some of those people don't smell very well if you get close to them. Uh, you know, I mean, I. You know, I mean, now me, I was brought up in such a way. I'm, I'm going, I'm going to take a bath at least once a month, whether I need it or not. <laughs> Hallelujah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I seen a picture on Facebook not long ago of, of an old um, uh, uh, number eight, what was it, number eight and number ten wash tub, and asked, did you ever use one of them uh, to take a bath in? I can remember it well. I can remember well when the big old tubs brought into the kitchen and water heated on the stove and poured in there. Amen. And that's, uh, that's what we did on Saturday night. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but if there's somebody comes in our assembly that's from the streets, we shouldn't treat them no different than we do somebody that drives a Mercedes Benz on a parking lot. Amen. Hallelujah. That's being partial and showing partiality, um, having respect to a person because of somebody's social status, their nationality or their race, what language that they they speak, um, we should treat everybody the same and equally. Now, uh, that's people who come in, come in the church, uh, but now let me say this, and uh, that's coming in the church, that's not coming on the platform. People who just start coming into church, coming to know the Lord, I mean, they don't they they, they shouldn't be given a leadership position right offhand. Uh, we have been living in such a changing world that you can see just about anything get up on the platform anymore. And it's not right. That's not right. But that's but but that's not what I'm, I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is new people coming in, um, needing salvation, needing the Lord. Um, we should be motivated by one thing, and that's the love of Christ. 
to try to reach them, try to teach them, amen, to where they, um, they come in. And I'm going to end with one more final scripture um, having to do that in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 14 and uh, beginning at verse um, 12. Now here Jesus in the midst of a, um, a parable. And this is what he says. Then he also said to him who invited him. <clears throat> Somebody <clears throat> invited him to a, a supper. They was having a big um, shindig, in other words. When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. Now we're talking about motivation here. Amen. If you're going to put something together, now again, we're talking to the people of God. Jesus told man, he said, don't, don't invite your friends and your brothers and your relatives or rich neighbors, lest also they invite you back and you be repaid. Let's continue. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lamed, and the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. There's a lot of people who's looking for their payment, their payday right here. But if you get your payday here, you might not have nothing when you get over there. Come on, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm, I want my payday when I get there. Hallelujah. Um, so we shouldn't just be helping people that we think can help us back. We shouldn't just do things for people that we think can do something back for us. But there are times. Now, now don't, get, don't misunderstand. Jesus is not saying that there are not times that you shouldn't invite people you want to have a get-together. That's not sinful and that's that's not wrong. But we need to learn to balance things out. Sometimes we need to do things for people we know that there's no way in the world that could do anything back for us. Hallelujah. I never will forget when I went to uh, uh, Haiti with Brother Penrod. I knew I was going to be doing a lot of walking on very steep, rocky roads. Um, and so uh, I had uh, uh, different pairs of shoes with me, and I had one really good pair of hiking shoes, hiking boots, that I said, well, I'll have these when we go out um, there uh, and... Uh, and we got to walk a long way, and we, and we and we did. We we covered some uh, 
Yeah, some, I'm one of those people who complain about the potholes and the, ho- and the roads in Nashville. But you, you don't know nothing until you see some roads and hate to you. Amen. Uh, Lord of mercy, what roads. But there was a, there was a young black fellow uh, there in Jock Mail. And it was at the place that we were staying at a place, uh, it was called a, um, a guest house. And there were several gathered around and we were talking and I noticed this young man and uh, he uh, just had an old raggedy t-shirt on and um, a um, very wool pair of shorts and no socks, no shoes, com- completely barefooted. And I asked him, I said, don't you have shoes to wear on these roads that you walk? And, no, I said, you live outside of town? Yeah, and he lived outside of town a little ways. I says, I don't have an extra pair with me. At that time, I had those new shoes that I bought uh, from Haiti, and I was looking, I looked at his feet, and I got, kind of estimated that um, he and I wore about the same size shoes. I knew he could, he could wear them. I said, we're going out on a missions trip, and if you come back, meet us later this afternoon, I said, I'm going to give you these shoes. And we went out, and we spent the day. We passed out rice, and we did things, and got back. And um, Derry was sitting over there under the shade, and I went up to the room that I was staying in and took those new hiking shoes off and put some other shoes on that I had, and I took them back. And, uh, man, you ought to have seen his face. I mean, he, he lit up, I mean, the biggest smile. When he walked, uh, walked away, he was one happy fella. Um, and I realized a lot that uh, there's a lot of things this more we take for granted around here. A lot of things we take for granted. I don't think nobody in here, somebody wants to ask, do you consider yourself rich? No, I, I'm not a rich man. I'm, I'm a poor man. But I'm going to tell you something. Every one of us in this room, and those people are watching by means of, of the internet, we all are much richer than most people in the world. Especially all those who live in the third world countries. Amen. And uh, so uh, we need to be willing to reach out and give somebody something that we know they're not going to be able to give back to us. Let us be motivated, amen, by love and uh, and and treat everybody the same way, and we'll be blessed by God if we do so. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together right now.